At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Welcome you to Porch Talk. This is your host, Alan. And we are at the Idea Shop in Starville, Mississippi. And I have Mr. Bailey here with me. Where are you from? So um, I'm from Conyers, Georgia. And um, just kind of stumbled on Starkville. Very luckily. Uh, worked out very well for me. So did was it Mississippi State that drew you here? Or how did you... How did you come across Starkville? It was a series of events. So I graduated in 2020 uh, from Auburn University, and it was COVID. It was a rough time, hard to find jobs. Ended up taking a job down in Florida, just working on some houses and very simple kind of construction job sort of thing, doing some design work. And um, then that contract ended, and I originally got a job here in Starkville um, and lucked into a scholarship in landscape architecture here at the graduate school. Nice. So it, you know, uh, Starkville just kind of presented itself to me in a time of need, and uh, it really worked out to be a positive thing in my life. Yeah, man. So, uh, what led you to Auburn? Um, Auburn, I had a few friends there. So growing up in kind of the Atlanta area and Georgia, you, you know, you meet a lot of local people, and Auburn's like a two-hour drive. Right. So it's really accessible, um, and. I knew a few people there, and um, that's kind of what took me there. Honestly, I was 18. I had no clue what I was doing. I was like, you go to college. That's what you're supposed to do. Yeah, supposedly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I just like, that's what my parents were telling me to do. And that's like, all right, that's the right thing. Um, and that was just a series of discovery periods. I mean, So, I mean, like high school, middle school, what were your interests? Uh, high school, middle school. So middle school, I was always in Boy Scouts. I was always outdoors. I was always doing stuff with my hands, woodworking, Eagle Scout projects, etc. Um, I started ironworking when I was 12 years old. That's interesting. Um, yeah. So there's surprisingly really good support, blacksmithing guilds all across the country. And they kind of took me under their wing and showed me a lot of really cool stuff. Um, and Boy Scouts is what introduced me to that. Yeah. So that kind of like sort of circles back to everything today even like that those experiences i have a, a friend uh he got into iron working and i used to ship fit at ingles and yeah. so i was better with a cutting torch but i can i can weld a little bit i can tack weld for sure but exactly it's not pretty but uh he sent me this picture and he was like i want to build a forge i was like okay this is random what's what's going on and he was like i'm i want to start now granted in this area that we're in the railroad system isn't uh in the best of upkeep and there were a lot of just if you walk the railroad mm -hmm. uh you railroad spikes they've been replaced and uh the old ones were just left there to rust yeah and so he had collected some and so he was like i'm going to take these railroad spikes and i'm going to make custom knives and I was, I think that's great. Let's go. And so uh, I helped him build that forge up. And like, 
before that, he and I both were very interested in woodworking. I had a cousin that lived down the street from me. He was into self-bows. Yeah. And so uh, one summer, I spent the whole summer uh, with my cousin, and I made a hickory. And then the following summer, I made a bow out of Osage, and we would go Tannehill uh, Park outside of Birmingham. Yeah. Uh, they would have these self-bow competitions and it was a very, uh, very interesting time. So, man, that's Boy Scouts and all that. I definitely relate. Uh, so, a little bit more on ironworking. Like, what all did you, what all did you do? Well, um, honestly, ironworking is one of the first things that brought me to Mississippi. Uh, so, I got a scholarship through a guild called the Alex Beeler Blacksmith Association, and basically, as an active member of the guild, you get the opportunity to uh, get classes paid for. So I had a scholarship, and I came on a blacksmith uh, class to Brandon, Mississippi, to meet with uh, Brandon Brazil, uh, Brian Brazil, and Lyle Wynn, and they taught me a lot of blacksmithing. They're members here in the Mississippi Forge Council. Wow! And uh, so I've had some experience there, and then another blacksmithing guild in the Atlanta area called the Old Mogi Blacksmith Guild. They gave me another scholarship, and I took some classes up in Murphy, North Carolina, at the John C. Campbell Folk School. And so kind of that interest led me to a lot of good opportunity to learn this craft. Yeah. Um, and it showed me a lot of interesting things. That's interesting. I think like just as, as far back to, you know, what, what you said earlier, it's like when I, when I graduated, I'm 18, what's the next step in life? I go to college. And I mean, I, we, we random talk about like opportunities like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's and I, I don't think like a lot of people uh, in this generation uh, know a whole awful lot about it. It's almost like a dying trade. Most definitely. Um, it's something that's dying out pretty quick. There's certain areas which there is some growth. Um, and popularity is, is growing over the years. But it's definitely something that is still, um, that is still on the way out for sure. Yeah. And I, I think about like just as, as far as like where we are as a country right now you know we source out a lot of our manufacturing and uh, I mean even with uh, the solid state ships you know we're talking about bringing that that to our country like having a plan I think they pitched uh, maybe Huntsville Alabama or somewhere in Arizona and I, I thought Huntsville would be a great place but I would love uh, for us to begin manufacturing and like iron working in these old trades I mean uh there's a lot of talk about uh, graphene right now. Are you familiar with that? No, sir. So it's like a, it's a honeycomb. Uh, but with graphene, you can literally build a skyscraper or uh, you could make a T-shirt out of it. Uh, it's literally carbon. Uh, you could take the carbon out of the air and you could use it to, uh, you could eat it. I mean, it wouldn't have any nutritional value, but you could eat it. Uh, it's a very interesting thing. That is about the extent of what I know about it because, I mean, it's, it's, it's brand new, and I can't wait to see uh, what the future holds with it. It's, it's a very exciting uh, topic that I, I definitely need to do a little bit more research on. But yeah. uh, it's, it's stupid strong, but it can also be soft. It's, it's wild. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, so at Auburn, uh, what did you study there? Well, uh, it was a bit of a, a circle around kind of a lot of finding myself and figuring out exactly what it is that motivated me. Um, you know, because when you go into college under this perception of, Hey, this is what I'm supposed to do. 
You're worried about what you're supposed to do. I'm supposed to get into college. You're not thinking about what you're going to do when you get there. And especially when you're 18-year-old boy, the first thing that's going to come on in your mind is women and partying. I mean, let's be yeah. real. So <laughs> it took me some time. My first few years of school, I didn't do too well. And um, I stumbled upon design. And things turned around really quickly. Um, I kind of discovered a passion for creating things, for working with my hands. It, kind of the same things. It parallel, paralleled a lot of the same things I was doing when I was younger. Yeah. Um, and because I knew that I would not be satisfied just sitting at a desk and crunching numbers or... Uh, and it's not to take away anything from that, but I knew that that wasn't the right choice for me. Um, and that I needed to do something that would kind of force me to grow as a person throughout life consistently, not something that can be written down, right? Something that is learned through experience. And uh, that's one of the reasons I really like design. And it's, it's helped me a lot in kind of a lot of my pursuits. I remember when I was graduating high school, I just, for whatever reason, I was going to just move to Mobile and I just packed my bags. I didn't apply to go to college. I didn't take ACTs, SATs. I didn't do any of that. I had no intention on college. And uh, I was uh, living with my grandparents at the time and I had my duffel bag packed and I was headed south. And uh, my grandma catches me as I'm about to crank up and go and she's, what are you, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm leaving. I said, where are you going? I said, down to Mobile. Well, you got a job down there? I said, no. Where are you going to live? You know somebody? I don't know anybody. That doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. I was like, I guess you're right. And she was like, well, I, I know you didn't take any ACTs, ACTs, or apply anywhere, but you should consider college. You know, Pell Grants, uh, uh, your best friend is at Shelton State. Why don't you uh, go to Shelton State? And like a last-minute thing, applied for Shelton State, applied for the Pell Grant. And I remember the first week I was there, you know, didn't declare anything and uh, didn't want to be there. I, yeah. was, I was done with school. I was amazed that I graduated. Uh, I didn't take it seriously, and I finished ninth in the class. And uh, that was partially because of good friends that just really watched my bag. But uh, uh, I remember walking the halls, and uh, the first thing that jumped – out at me when I was walking down the halls of all these trades, like all the different vocations was uh, circuit boards and just seeing what they were doing in those IT rooms. And they had a room for robotics. And I was like, oh, all this stuff, I would love to learn how to do. And so that became the, uh, uh, the major. And uh, I'd finish up and I didn't take any semesters off, went summer and immediately uh, got into that field. Like I was working in electric motors, but uh, I think that time in our lives was like what you were saying, you're 18 and all you're thinking about is partying or girls, Yeah, which is completely fair. Uh, I think it's, it's natural, uh, but man, that's, to be at university like that and like to be lost and not find that passion, I mean, I think you're very fortunate to find it as soon as you did. Yes, most definitely. Because I couldn't imagine, like, I like watching those barstool sports with Caleb Presley where he goes to these college universities and, like, he's interviewing, like, the six-year senior and, like, all these different things, right? And I was like, what's sad is I know a lot of people that did that. And I was like, I would hate to know how much student loan debt you have. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, who knows if you're actually going to finish? Because you're, you're a six-year senior for a reason. It ain't because you didn't make your mind up. Yeah. You're not going to class. Uh, and that's, 
That's got to be scary. Well, I was, uh, I got myself pulled together in time, and uh, I got lucky, <laughs> got out. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, I, I'd like to think that I have a better idea of what I want to do now, but, yeah. you know, if you ask me specifically, hard to say. I have a few, I have a few concepts, but I'm not dead set on it yet. Yeah, so you got brought over here to the landscaping at State graduate program. Yes, sir. Uh, is, are you still working towards that, or is that finished up? Yeah, so I'm still in the process of doing that right now. Um, and I'm going to start my first graduate, full graduate year, uh, all co- grad courses um, coming this fall. And it's, uh, it's about to get real. Right on, dude. That's, uh, that's cool. Of, uh, I, and I guess that definitely leads back to like what you were doing when you were younger. So that's, that's very interesting. So, I mean, how far does that go? I mean, that could be park management or even city management or... Yeah, and there's there's a lot of scales. Uh, landscape architects can help. Uh, a big one is environmental justice. You can do a lot for people in underserved communities where you know, cities and governments and corporations have that made bad decisions, and that has harmed these communities. Um, and that's everywhere from you know West Virginia and coal mining country to Flint, Flint, Michigan with Flint, the water. Flint, Michigan, l- literally anywhere. Yeah. So landscape architecture can help a lot in bioremediation and help fix some of these blighted areas through good design. Um, the next thing is, is city parks. Like the, that's, that's really becoming a big thing, especially after COVID people understand the value of getting outside of breathing fresh air. And oh, now our role God. is even more important. Oh dude. Uh, so I don't live, but about 15 minutes from the refuge, mm-hmm. uh, the Knott's County refuge. And, uh, I go out there like two or three times a week and man, I'm, get up on my soapbox i'm telling people all the time especially like during COVID. i mean there was a lot of depression i was like well did you go outside today yeah did you touch some grass i mean i really do think there is something to that exactly uh it's important get out there getting fresh air i mean if if you were afraid of whatever the circumstance i was like it's a big place and you don't have to be packed around all these people you can Mm -hmm. have a little freedom yeah yeah exactly getting outside getting some sun it's nothing better, and and does that's it, does it, would it also deal with wildlife? Oh yeah, most definitely. Um, kind of seeing wildlife and being connected to it, the the audio element and listening to the birds, and it kind of puts you in a place. You know, often we're rarely in an environment where there's not some sort of worrying or you know electronic noise or computer background or air conditioner or something, but to just be outside to hear the wind. To hear the birds, to hear the crickets, all of that together most definitely contributes to the experience. Oh, yeah. I mean, just I'm, I'm sure like some of the hums and jitters of here will be on the podcast. But uh, that's one of the th- things I love about doing this is whether we're literally outside on a porch. Like uh, the, the latest episode we did, it was as a thunderstorm was rolling in. So you had the thunder and then uh, here come the cicadas. And if we would have went for 20 more minutes, we would have had the bullfrogs. Oh, yeah. Because we were looking at a lake while we were talking. And, uh, I mean, you got all these frequencies going on all the time. And, like, uh, I've got an office at work. And, like, uh, luckily I have a work truck and I get to spend a lot of time in the city and uh, outside, which is where I'd rather be. And, like, I'd, if I had to look at it, I would, I would guess that I spend one hour in the office and seven hours just out doing things because I cannot stand being inside. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good way to be. It keeps you healthy. Yeah. It keeps you strong. Oh yeah, there's there's definitely something to it. 
Most definitely. Uh, so, uh, how did this opportunity, uh, and I mean, where are we? What is this place? So, we're at the Mississippi State um, Idea Shop. It's in downtown Starkville, 114 East Main Street, pretty, uh, kind of the center of town, really. We're, yeah. We're, we're pretty close to the darn middle. Yeah. So, um, it's a community maker space. And so, really, our doors are open to anyone. You can make whatever you want within some restraints, of course, but we have 3D printers, we have a full wood shop, we have laser engravers, we have cricket machines. Um, and not only do we have all this equipment, but we host the knowledge that can help you learn some of these tools. If, if you don't have that much experience, like don't feel intimidated. Everyone was there, right? We're here to help you grow, help you learn. And honestly, it creates a return customer, right? Yeah. At the end of the day, if I've met with you, I've showed you how to use a piece of equipment, and that's encouraged you to make more, well, I've just, I've just sold my product to you. That's right. You know? So it helps us grow at the same time. I mean, I, I've, I literally was in my work truck, and I was telling you I, was, you know, I had an intern who was a student at State, and I was like, the idea shop, what is that? He's like, oh, it's, you know, it's great. You know, I was giving you the spill. And uh, I was like, well, I mean, what exactly do you do there? And as you said, 3D printers, they got woodworking. I mean, there's, there's a lot of possibilities. And uh, my first time in here and to check everything out, to meet you, and just to, you kind of gave me a little bit of the tour last time I was here, uh, was for Joseph Garland's art show, which I thought was great for the community, the art community specifically. And it was, uh, what, Dave's Dark Horse cooked pizza. And, I mean, we had other bit local businesses really give to make this a success. And, uh, which, I mean, a lot of that, the McGowan's worked really hard towards. And just, I think that's great as far as, like, networking and getting these businesses to work together. Exactly, exactly. And as a small town, that's what we need. Mm -hmm. uh, we got to stick together. we got to help each other grow. We're all on the same team here. Mm -hmm. And so let, let's just say uh, uh, me or just someone was to walk in here off the street and, you know, asking general questions about what's going on here. So uh, I think number one misconception may be that they see Mississippi State and they'd be like, well, do I have to be a student or do I have to know a student to use this space? Nope. Anybody in the community, anybody uh, that can walk through the door is welcome to use our space. Anyone can come in. Um, and it's just a fee for $10 to use the space for the day. It's uh, pretty affordable, especially when you look at the cost of using a drill press, right? Or buying a drill press. You can just come in, drill a couple things, and leave, and you know you save yourself $300, $400 on a drill press for sure. Yeah, and so, <laughs> I mean, just the, the scrap wood, like, you pay $10 and get in here, and do you have to pay for the wood as an extra, or how does that work? You really don't have to pay for the wood as an extra. Obviously, it's a, it's a community bank, right? So take what you need, use it uh, respectively, of course, but at the same time, you're welcome to use it, right? Um, if, you're, if there's pieces in there that can help you do what you need, Go for it. That's what it's for. I'm picturing like someone on staff here who is just overjoyed by like dumpster diving for like wood. Is that? Oh, it, it brings <laughs> itself to us. We, okay. The wood walks through the door. We don't have to do anything. That's that's kind of the nature of the beast. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's cool because I, I mean, I saw some of the scraps uh, when I was looking through there and I was like, uh, there's a lot of great wood here. I mean, oh, yeah. I know Joseph used some of it to put his art on exactly exactly no we have we're very fortunate and that's one of the perks of living in mississippi uh is there is 
plenty of timber to go around. Yeah. Uh, and there's a lot of that sort of um, Renaissance knowledge of milling and producing lumber, you know, kind of bring us back to blacksmithing and these transcendentalized skills that can help us, uh, you know, make wooden products with, right? We have the knowledge to cut the trees down, to mill them up, to get them to a dimensional piece of lumber, cradle to grave in this state. Like that's, that's really big. Yeah. And so uh, what about someone who may not be very proficient in woodworking and they wanted to come in here and test their hand? I mean, there's someone here that can help them and teach them how to use the equipment and uh, train them? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So we have a, a variety of employees, everyone from designers, humanities majors, engineers. Uh, we kind of cover a breadth, right? And um, all of us are trained in the different tools here in the shop. So you have questions. Most definitely, we're here to help you. And uh, if you really want to learn a little bit more or if you want to start with a more directed project, we offer classes every Tuesday night that you can come in and take. And it's kind of a a low stakes way to get into woodworking. The project's already set and then you get to take something home at the end of it and really get to try your hand. Oh, that's great. So um, every Tuesday night, there's y'all do lessons? Yeah, yeah. So if you go to our website and just go to the events page, you can find a list of all sorts of workshops that we have. We also have free events on Tuesday or Thursday nights throughout the year as well. And all of these events are after 5 p.m. It's usually from 6 to 8 so make sure people can get by after work or school or whatever that may yeah. be. That's, uh, that's great, man. So, I mean, definitely I'm, I'm, I'm sensing the heart of a uh, little bit about the history. I mean, how did this, this idea come to be? Like, The idea shop has kind of run through many different phases of iteration. Um, it really started on campus in a small organization called the Maker Hub. There was an engineer who was frustrated that engineers and other students didn't have access to tools to create things, mm -hmm. right? Because a lot of what we do, we have to build to learn, right? That kinesthetic element of creation is super important. And he partnered up with a whole bunch of different professors across campus, different departments, and basically getting deals to allow people to come into different workshops around campus and use their equipment. And kind of through time and a lot of evolution, uh, two gentlemen by the name of... Uh, Charles Freeman and uh, Eric Hill came together and said, you know what, we need to take this, scale it up, and put it on Main Street. And uh, they made that happen. Great. So uh, just with like 3D printing and all that, uh, I'm very interested in it, and I haven't uh, dabbled. I have a couple of friends who have 3D printers, and uh, you know they'll uh, take those plastic, I guess, is, uh, what is the main media that it's using and they'll make like guitar tuners uh you know on the neck or on the headstock but uh they'll make those tuners and uh, just little different trinkets and ends and like uh correct me here if i'm wrong but anything uh that comes to your mind you can create with a 3d printer pretty much if it fits on the printer you're trying to print with you know you can pretty much print it um, they're really the, the limit is your imagination, frankly, if you, you can dream, you can make it. Yeah. And that's, that's one thing that I'm kind of picking up on here. And I definitely want to come by and check out some of these events that y'all are doing, but it seems like this place really lends itself to the creative type and, of uh, 
I could definitely see myself, like if someone was in here that was just really into like 3D printing or whatever it was that they were printing, like that might open up a window of imagination for me to think about things differently. Uh, it seems like this is a great place that uh, harbors and uh, helps people with their creativity and imagination. Most definitely. And another really big supportive thing that we do here at the Idea Shop is our kind of parent organization, the eCenter on campus. Um, and that's uh, Eric Hill is the director of the eCenter on campus. A big function of them is to help fund faculty, help fund students, help fund community members, and direct them to their entrepreneurial goals. So, right, it's not only just these creative pursuits, but we also have entrepreneurial pursuits, and those typically collide somewhere, right? Oh, yeah. It's these little pet projects that come together. And uh, it's amazing how we've been able to help uh, different members of the community with our idea shop. A, a great example is there's a company called Whisper Systems, and they use drones essentially to help find Wi-Fi signals in remote areas. And we just started working with them to print mass scale parts for them to then distribute. Um, so not, that was a, a company that was founded here, you know, worked with the eCenter, worked with Mississippi State, now it's come full circle and we're printing products for them. That's great. And there's another example for that. Um, if you've ever heard of um, Battle Bells. Uh-uh. Battle Bells, it's kind of like the ultimate. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Mississippi State Cowbell. I mean, it's TIG welded, stainless steel, tough as it gets. And that's another partnership we've started. And we're doing a lot of their manufacturing here at the Idea Shop. So we're helping them fill a need and also helping members of our community get access to more equipment. And by educating the staff here at the Idea Shop, we're also helping kind of our member, our member neural net grow as well. Right, that's knowledge that becomes everyone's now. Yeah. So since you were staffed here, like, of, uh, I mean, maybe you did, but I imagine like there was quite a bit of a learning curve when it came to learning uh, some of these different machines and what they can do to their fullest potential. Most definitely, um, you really have to be a generalist to work here, um, and if you're not, you you have to be most definitely very very good at what you specialize in. It's it's super hard to kind of stay on top of all of this stuff. Yeah. Um, but I was super lucky. I had some experience with this in undergrad and I had a pretty good starting point and I was able to pick up on it pretty quick. I'm still learning a lot, but it, uh, it ebbs and flows and it, it's a good challenge. I, I really enjoy it. No two days are ever the same. Oh, so, I, I, yeah. Keeps I'm, you on your toes. <laughs> absolutely. And I like, let's just say if you were a man in the shop and someone came in here, uh, maybe it was a 3d printer or maybe one of the cricket machines, uh, 
as far as like if you weren't able to answer their question like but there is someone staff that does do you call them up and get them down here or like do you call them and they'll walk you through it or how does that work well usually most of us have enough experience in most of the tools that we can get you pretty close okay so what we try and do is really just a, a series of dead reckoning you know you hit us with a humdinger we don't know what to do we go to google you know we work <laughs> through this with you and that's kind of like teaching that way too you know it's it's a skill that then you can apply to your future creative pursuits and kind of help you learn as you go um and a lot of the time we are flying by the seat of our pants but i'll be darned if we don't nail it nine times out of ten right on (laughs) (laughs) that's great and i mean just as far as like uh troubleshooting like that i mean uh that goes a long way like you know we were uh, talking about this ohm meter right before we got going and uh, whether it is a circuit board or maybe some kind of a, a little motor or something that goes down here, it's like the amount of troubleshooting and how good you get at Googling the problem and getting down to the bottom of it. I mean, that is, that has got to help you uh, just as a human being. Like, That's right. Uh, not only for uh, work life, but home life or maintenance on your own car or whatever that entails. Yeah, I, you know, you can have as many college degrees as you want. You can know... Uh, research as much as you want about a subject, but if you don't have the tenacity or the grit to just figure stuff out, yeah. it's going to be a real challenge to live a good life. I I wholeheartedly believe that. <laughs> yeah, man. So, that has got to be like one of the best like things about working here, I guess, like as far as like development on that for you, I'm assuming, uh, for your personal growth. Most definitely. It, it's gotten me exposed to so many different things that I thought I would never really see or even interact with in my lifetime and now you know those are integral to how i work on a day-to-day basis yeah man so uh when uh the semester's about to kick up for you yes sir so what is what does that look like as far as the graduate work are you gonna is that uh a lot of time spent in the classroom or is it a lot of r&d out in the field or what is that gonna look like it's uh it's typically a lot of time spent in the classroom we're still drawing a lot we're still kind of keeping our heads inside, but we also participate in inventory and analysis, which is a really big component of landscape architecture. We go to the site, we spend as much time there as we can and observe every detail. We look at what plants are growing where, and then we understand, well, these types of plants like a wet root. So we can kind of derive that this might be a lower area and water's collecting here. There's a little bit more moisture in the soil. And then you look at where the birds live, where the deer live, and how all of these components come yeah. together to make a site, which inevitably we're going to change, but hopefully change in a way that works for both humans, animals, and the ecosystem. Yeah. I mean, does that lead uh, one, I guess it could go, it would depend on the person, but do you think that leads one to be more holistic with the way that uh, they think about like plants in general, like uh, just horticulture? I guess would be the best word for it is like not only knowing where these plants go, but uh, dude, that's poison. That'll wreck you or, well, that actually has some healing property to it. That could help you with a seizure yeah, or whatever else. Well, it helps like that. I'm, I'm learning a ton about plants in that regard on that, on, on that really narrow scale. But also, too, it kind of changes your perspective for humanity, right? I mean, a, a human is not much different than a plant. In the right environment, a human will thrive. Yeah. In a bad environment, a human will suffer. It's the same thing for the plant. And it kind of part of it is making yourself humble 
and understanding the needs of something else that's, that's outside of your control and creating a space that fulfills those needs and also fulfills the needs of the, of the individuals actively participating in that space. And to kind of bring those together, right, it's, it's a bit against the natural flow, right? Most, most people kind of see humanity and nature diverging a little bit and what is natural and what isn't natural, that's a whole other argument. We won't really get into that. Um, but to kind of bring them together and have them working together in the same space is really the goal of a landscape architect. Yeah, yeah, man, that is that's very interesting. Uh, sounds like a, like a that's going to be a cool and very uh, fulfilling career. I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. I'm I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Nervous, but <laughs> looking forward to it. I wanted to uh, bring it back here, uh, and I don't know how uh, fresh it is on your mind, but like I said, I am very interested in 3D printing. Like, when is the next event for that going to be? So, it might be sometime in October. I can't remember off the top of my head, but you can check our events list on IdeaShop website. Right. And if you just Google MSU IdeaShop, and you go to Google Maps, there's that little tab that says website. Just click that, and it'll take you directly to our website. And you can see a list of everything that we have. I'm, I think it's coming up this October. But once again, if you have questions and you really want to get in here now, you come in uh, any time between 1 and 8 p.m., Tuesday through Friday, Saturday 11 to 6, and we're here to support you. I guess it, it, would, be, it would be safety as far as, like, someone's in here, they're maybe on the mill of, of, like, safety concerns. Do you pull that person off or, like, are, are you over their shoulder babysitting? Like, what, what does that look like? Well, a, a lot of it kind of comes with feeling out the individual before you get them started. And typically, um, people are pretty good at admitting what they don't know. Some people aren't, but <laughs> most people are. And kind of as someone who's had a decent amount of experience in the shop, most of our employees have had a pretty good experience in the shop. They, you can pick up very quickly on what someone knows and what someone doesn't know. And, you know, you can hear, you can observe, and we don't want to be on top of you. Yeah. We don't want to get in the way of you making a mistake either. You know, if it's going to kill you that, or cut your finger or something like that, that's yeah. another thing. But <laughs> at the same time, that's kind of the whole process of learning. You have to screw up. You have to mess things up. That's going to help you learn more in the future. I can tell you everything all day long, yeah. but you're going to remember it if you mess it up. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, mistakes are... Uh they they're necessary uh but like you said i don't want you to make a mistake that's going to leave uh, leave you without a part of yourself <laughs> oh and and we're forgiving we a lot of our equipment that we have is is tailored to the consumer kind of the prosumer it's not the the things that we have are, are not too terrible we have a saw stop so it's that saw that if you get your finger in the way it'll shove the blade up under the table that's a big win and a lot of it too it's just learning really basic safety practices, learning the two, three, and four finger rule for using the tools. And there's basically some tools that, you know, you can have your finger maybe one or two finger distances away, you know, like the belt sander. You don't want to sand your finger off, but you can get pretty close to it. Then you have tools like the miter saw, which is just a big old saw blade coming straight down. That's like a whole hand width. You know, you want to have that hand away. And just thinking about that, having a bicameral mind in the workshop and observing taking time to think and stepping back you'll be fine <laughs> how long have you been in photography so photography man that's something i've been playing around with since i was a young kid 
my dad had an old 35 millimeter Pentax and it was just the passion of his and so I'd just go into the closet and play with his camera and he showed me how to use it and I started taking pictures of birds and uh, I worked, oh gosh, it was close to two or three years to buy the junkiest DSLR camera I could afford. Just something with a mirror, something that would give me that, you know, good image quality and uh, just went around traveling, taking photos, documenting ironworking, right? Using it to show my work. I had a YouTube channel actually. I used it to help kind of share the knowledge I was gaining and kind of in teaching, I was learning a lot myself. So all of this stuff kind of comes together somewhere. It's a, it's a big jumble. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I was, while we were here for the, uh, the art exhibit, of, you know, I was just in and out, but I overheard uh, you and JC, because uh, he's a great photographer. Oh, most definitely. And uh, I, I was overhearing a story, like, because uh, this is something that I've been into uh, lately myself, and I have had zero luck with it. But as far as, like, star, I guess it would have been the, the the latest shot from uh, the James Hub telescope mm-hmm. is that, is that, was it the James Hub uh, the that, James Webb telescope I think the Webb that's it that got that great shot of the universe yeah and I was like shoot I mean I'm not gonna be out here like shooting planets or anything but I could definitely catch like the star patterns of the night exactly and uh, every attempt that I've made is like your story about going out to the desert and of course you going out there you would bring the rain yeah exactly exactly no and that's that's just kind of how life works you just get caught in these little traps who would have thought you know spending two weeks in the desert i was thinking all right this will be great for some nighttime photography i'll get out capture the stars and every night just clouds come in right as the sun starts setting i'm like oh no (laughs) so i mean what about like traveling like that has that always been a passion of yours as well Most definitely. I'm as much of a jet setter as I can afford. I'll get close to bankrupting myself to get out of the town. Sometimes I just need to go. (laughs) And I don't know if that's to to disconnect from, you know, what's going on here. It's nothing against Starkville. I just like to get out and go places no matter where I am and uh, see the world in the new eye, I guess. Yeah, same thing with this. Is uh, This is a a traveling podcast rarely done in the same place twice unless... We, we've got a couple of shows within the show, like Untapped and Vinyl, where we typically do it in the same place. But for the most part, it's, I'm out traveling. I'm trying to meet, talk to small business people, uh, 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 places like this, artists, musicians, or just whomever I might find. I was like, well, this is very interesting. Let's, let's get going. And that lends itself to being able to be on the road and uh, travel and to see the world through another person's eye and perception and uh man it's it's great uh and i've got a buddy of mine he's he's never left the state of mississippi and uh so uh later this year i'm i'm about to start dragging him around with me i was like nice. Dude, you have got to get out get some perspective gotta say mississippi is pretty darn nice <laughs> yeah and uh one of the perks honestly is how how few people there are you can go where there's people, but you can also go where there's not people if you don't want to be seen. Yeah. And it's amazing just to be out in the country, be in the wild. I love it. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. Like, I'm, I'm from Alabama, and so, I mean, I think about all these uh, refuges and national parks that we have. And like you said, it's, it is not hard to get somewhere to where you could scream at the top of your lungs. And it's that old saying, if a tree falls in the woods, is anyone here? If a crazy guy is out in the woods screaming, does anybody hear it? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Probably not. No, no, not at all. 
Well, dude, uh, what about uh, as far as just plans? Uh, you, you got school starting back up. Uh, what about have you got any big trips planned as far as like what's your next place you're going to try to go? Not yet. Not yet. I typically, uh, my, the, where, I, where I decide to go is a combination of where I can find the cheapest flights, cheapest lodging, and the coolest experience. So I try and take this overall value proposition and lump it up into a decision-making sort of number. What's one of the coolest places you've ever been? Uh, I went to Zugspitze, Germany, which is the, the tallest peak in the German Alps, and I skied up there. That was pretty darn cool. That's sick. That was pretty darn cool. <laughs> I've been to, uh, it was, it's one of the best pictures I ever took. I'll show you when uh, we get done here. Uh, we flew into uh, San Salvador, El Salvador, and uh, we were greeted by Carlos. I, I think every dude's name in El Salvador's <laughs> name is Carlos. Like, we got off the plane at the airport, and there were three Carloses waiting on us. And so um, the sun's setting, and they take us to the highest point in El Salvador, and we're overlooking the capital and you see it's just sitting down in a bowl and we're sitting up on this tallest place this restaurant overlooking the city eating empanadas and I was like this is probably going to be one of the coolest experiences that I that I have at least this year yeah and just that photo it's like one of the best pictures I ever took and then uh I had never seen like these old castles and I got a chance to go down to Chile and we went out to Viña del Mar, where they have those old Spanish castles. And I'm talking about these castles are sitting on a cliff overlooking the Pacific Ocean. And just from a distance, man, it was one of the most beautiful things I'd ever seen. I mean, it has to be like the Alp story, right? Oh, 100%. I, and I've never made it down to South America. That's, that's some place that I'm quite interested in going. It's great. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you... Uh, there are a lot of things down there that can kill you quick. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> but, that, I mean, it's like that with anything, right? Yeah, that's, that's the whole point of living. You've got to take yeah. risks. And I remember, like, they were doing briefing with us, and, uh, which I, I never listened to this part. Cause I just wanted to test the waters. But, uh, you know, we'd be down there, and it's like, don't eat street food. Like, your body's probably not for it, and you'll probably get sick, and you'll probably be sick for a few days. And it's like first full day in Chile, and I hear a little bell ringing, and it's early morning, and I've, I've got a cup of coffee. I'm just sitting outside waiting on everybody else to wake up. I hear this little bell. I'm like, what in the world is going on? So I walk down the street, down the corner, and there's this guy selling wild strawberries. And I was oh, like, no. oh, yeah. And, the dude, I, I got this big bag of strawberries. I'm just eating them. And uh, the guys that I was with wake up, and they're like, what are you doing? I said, dude, these strawberries are awesome. Here, have some. And he's like, the one thing they told us not to do, you're doing. And I was like, I'm sure it'll be fine. And it was. <laughs> and, and I ended up like eating street food like that whole trip. Like those like empanada stands. I, I don't know why I'm so obsessed with empanadas. but <laughs> <laughs> No, that's, I, I don't know if I could take the risk. American food gets me. So I, I got to take it easy. <laughs> I, I think it's like that acclamation. Like, uh, you know what? And I don't know if there's any truth to it. I mean, you've probably heard this. It's like they say eating local honey if you have an allergy problem that the bees are pollinating all these plants around here. So if you'll eat the local honey, then that will better acclimate you for the allergens yeah. that you're experiencing. I don't know if there's any truth to it or not. But one thing I can tell you is growing up, I had horrible allergies. And I don't know. 
I don't know, maybe I grew out of it, but I think there may be something to that. Yeah, it makes premise. sense to me. Yeah, it sounds good. <laughs> that's, that's it. You got me sold. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get some local honey. But, uh, yeah, I've, I've been wanting to get over to uh, the Eastern Hemisphere. Like, I've, I've always wanted to go out to uh, uh, East or West Africa. I don't know if I'd ever... India interests me, uh, but uh, I have an irrational fear. I guess it would be a phobia of big cats, especially when it comes to like man-eating tigers. And I don't, I don't care. I don't, I don't care about seeing them at a zoo, and I, for sure, don't want to see one in the wild. You know, you know how bad that would suck. It's like you're just walking over to the other village, and a man-eating tiger pops out, and it's like, well, this is definitely game over. It would definitely be the most exciting moment of your life. That's for sure. Yeah, hopefully you scave it and get out. Hey, I'm I'm about it. Let's go. (laughs) Well, cool, man. Anything else that I left out here that you want good folks to know about the idea shop? I mean... A real goal and purpose is to serve the community, to help them with entrepreneurship goals, to help them with their creative goals, and to help Starkville flourish, right? Absolutely. The more we know around, everyone knows, the, the better we are as a community. I'll say this, just if, if you live in Starkville, and like, and I, I'm definitely about to start taking advantage of these resources, because coming in here and spending $10, not only like, yeah, I'm probably going to spend a couple hours t- tinkering with this piece of wood and trying to learn how to better use this meal or whatever the case but uh i couldn't imagine like some of the relationships that you could build with other people in the community who are being creative and using their imagination and who knows what could happen with that yeah we we don't really sell a service we sell an experience and that could be time with your daughter learning how to make paper you know time with a long-lost friend making a project together or coming together on a business idea or working on a project with your mom. And we kind of cover all of these avenues. Making is for everyone. And the fact that we're able to kind of give that time, that quality time of people together is fantastic. Man, that's great. Well, dude, uh, three questions to walk it out of the door is, uh, uh, and you've done a fine job of covering it already, but I do want to plug it one more time. Uh, how, what is the best way to link up with this place as far as the internet, uh, social media, or just go to the website? Yeah, social media. Follow us on our Instagram, MSU Idea Shop uh, on Instagram. Reach out to us on Facebook, MSU Idea Shop on Facebook. And um, once again, check out our website. And our, face, uh, our Instagram has that website link in the bio, so it's super easy to get to. Same thing with Facebook. You can just grab that link from there and go straight to our website, look at our events. And uh, we keep pretty good updates on Facebook and Instagram consistently. Right on. Question two is uh, just as far as some of the projects, and you've went over them, but what was one of the, your favorite things that's come out of here since you've been around? Ooh, some of my favorite things. So we did a guitar workshop where we got a whole bunch of kids in here and showed them how to build their own guitar from a kit. That is awesome. <laughs> and that was uh, that was a fantastic experience. That guitar, that electric up front, was that built here? Yeah, yeah. We that's made cool, that here. Man. So that, that was awesome. And not only did we get to make some killer guitars, but we got to kind of help a, a group of up-and-coming musicians like find their passion. And uh, super exciting. Right on. And number three, what was your favorite part about this interview? 
Oh man, my favorite part about this interview, anytime I get together with good people and have the opportunity to plug Starkville business and kind of give back to the community the way it's given to me, that's all I like. Right on, dude. Well, Stephen Bailey, thank you so much. Thank you, sir. It's a pleasure chatting with you. Right on. Times like these It's hard not to show Selling things like Speaking or laughing out loud Oh, come out of a crowd When you stand in a crowd Too many times you've cried There's the days you've smiled And I miss how Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, 
not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.